Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's up, everybody? February 23rd edition of the Fight Podcast. As always, pleased to be joined by Frank Trigg. Make sure you follow him online via social media at Frank Trigg. Frank, we were talking off air about our affinity for coffee, and I came up to and I said, or I said to you, I said, you know what would be a great idea? If they, you know how you have wine tours? They should have coffee tours. And you're like, uh, yeah, they already do, but Yes, uh, Starbucks does it. So, like, you go to the, I think it's called the, the Roasters, the, something like that in Seattle. I went. So I was up there working for a Universal Men's Clinic. And so I went across the street from where I was staying. And you go in there, and it's like, you know, people like coffee with cream, people like coffee with sugar. You go in, and you talk to them and tell them what kind of coffee you like and how you like your coffee. And they will um, make you coffees off of your flavor palette without any cream or sugar in it, and it's delicious. So, like, I can drink black coffee. I prefer coffee with, with cream in it. But you can, I can drink black coffee because it's not going to bother me that much. But I got to have some kind of sugar in it. These coffees, I had no cream, no sugar, straight black coffee, and it was amazing. And, but the problem is the only, way, only place you can get these particular beans is from that one store. That's it. But Starbucks has this place. It's like the something roasters. It's like a gimmicky kind of you walk in there, and, and it's all organic T-shirts in the front that, that you can buy and these weird suitcases off in the corner. And then you walk downstairs and you're like, you're in, you're literally talking to a barista. That's like a, a mixologist, like a mixologist, like a bartender. But for that's a amazing. Yeah, I'm surprised you haven't gone. Well, now I know next time, uh, if I'm ever up that way, for sure, I'm actually going to Google it. Once we're done the show, uh, once we're done the podcast here, I'll Google to see if there's anything in my area, because it's not the first time I've had a conversation uh, with someone in the MMA world regarding literally coffee. I mean, Chael Sonnen and I would talk about, uh, you know, various types of espressos. And I would tell, explain to him how, when I go to my in-laws, they're old school Italians. They've got that, you know, that silver machine that goes over top of the stove. That thing is liquid crack. It's liquid cocaine. And I could argue with my father-in-law till I'm blue in the face. It's, you know, 830 in the evening. I don't need an espresso. So they're old school. They need an espresso. Frank, I get home after one of those things, and it's three or four in the morning, and I'm sitting down doing this with the television. I'm like, I, I, I can't sleep. It's and, insane. And, and I drink coffee all day, like, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Right? Like, it is all day I drink coffee. I drink as much coffee as I drink water. And they're, and so with those old school Italians, you, they're drinking espresso like at 8 or 9 o'clock at night, and they're in bed at 9.30 or 10 o'clock at night, sound asleep. You're like, what the hell just happened? You literally just smoked crack and you went to sleep. So I have this line, um, you know, because you know, you know me very well. So I'm, I'm very hyperactive. And so like, I really have to be uh, uh, controlled. And for a long time, I was really heavily medicated to keep it under control. So it, it's one of those things where like I'm off the freaking wall all the time. I used to say, like, you know, I, I take, I, I smoke meth to go to sleep at night. Because <laughs> like, I'm so hyperactive, I'm higher than meth is. But then I started thinking about it. I go, that's kind of bad. You want to say that because you got kids and stuff. You want to. They put that moniker out there. I was like, oh, no, I, you know, I, I drink espresso to go to bed at night. 
Like I can literally have a cup of coffee and go right to sleep. I have no problem. That, but that's why I love coffee. Like I'm into coffee because I love the flavor. I love how I love it how it, it slides down my esophagus into my stomach. Like I like that feeling of a of a hot cup of coffee hitting your belly. Like to me, that's awesome. Like I love that whole thing from tongue right down to my right down to my intestines. I love that feeling. Well, I, listen, uh, I told you off air that I don't I don't know if I have a palate for coffee. I mean, I'm guilty of of, of drinking instant coffee. I did it over the weekend when I was ice fishing with the boys, and that's I know it. <laughs> that's gross man like that's like i'm stuck like I'm, I'm really caught i really need coffee and and like the zombie apocalypse has happened i can't get to a car okay instant coffee is all in this hut then i'm gonna drink instant coffee but otherwise that is just disgusting that is it gross. was hazelnut flavored i'll say this it was hazelnut flavored and i bo- i put in the correct amount so it was it was or the correct amount of water to make it sort of frothy so but my boys were just sitting there just looking at me going you're an idiot like what's wrong with you like yeah. you've been punched in the head too many times what's wrong with you that's nuts that's that's absolutely crazy and the funny thing is that uh after uh uh we ref bellator up in well i ref bellator up in up in uh, san jose jill is shattering to be a timekeeper so she went up with me and, and was sitting with the timekeepers. And, you know, there's a certain the folks who don't know, you don't just all of a sudden pass Big John McCarthy's course and then sit down and start refing pro and judging pro events. Like you have to, you have to spend some time shadowing. And so in the timekeeper space, there's no course for timekeeping, but you have to shadow a certain amount of times and then work with a, a lead uh, timekeeper for like 10 or 12 times and before you get broken off on your own. And then even then you're not going to get, it's like roughing. You're not going to get the big shows. You're not going to get UFCs and the bell tours and stuff like that. Um, but they, uh, Andy Foster at CSAC, um, there's a, there's a need for timekeepers in California and Andy mentioned it. And John McCarthy's like, Hey, Jill should do that since she loves fights. She actually really enjoys fights. And that's why she always comes to the fights. And wants you to start timekeeping. So she looked at it. So anyway, we, we went and did all that after we were done. We're like, Hey, you know what? We've never been to Napa before we've never gone and i've only been on like two wine tours like I, only two wineries of all i've gone on before like, i haven't been on like a like a wine tour like when you go to temecula there's like a bunch of wineries down there by dan henderson and then napa has a bunch of wineries you can go to i've never done that so i took jill for, for uh, uh the uh sunday monday after bell tours last weekend and we went and did the wine tour and holy crap joe i like wine as much as i like coffee like all of a sudden i realized like i like i like the, I like the flavor of wines. I like how it makes me feel. I like the mixture of how it does with with uh, uh, with certain foods. And so now I'm like on this kick now with coffee and wine. I'm screwed because once you oh, start yeah. Listen, wine, I I went with on a wine tour with the wife. Uh, I'm going to say maybe 10, 15 years ago. I don't think I was mature enough. Like I mean, I just thought, hey, we're drinking wine. What are we doing, boys? Like, what are we doing, honey? We're drinking wine. Let's do this now. You know, I'm in my 40s, in my early 40s. Yeah. I could do it and, and understand. You know, there's there's a certain science to you know ice wine, to regular wine, red wine, white wine. I, I should probably do it again. But this coffee thing, this coffee uh, tasting thing, I'm I'm down with that, man. I I, I need help, dude. Big time. If you ever get to Napa, go by this place called Castle D'Ambrosia. I thought it was an old medieval castle that had been refurnished as a winery. This guy built it over 15 years, uh, brick by brick. Brought brought the had people in in Italy hand make the iron works for the chandeliers that hold the candles, and they had them shipped over. This guy did an amazing work. Nobody lives there. It's only a winery. There's no place to, to, to stay. Like an old castle would have a spot to stay, but it's got the full dining room that they rent out, like the big long table, the big fireplace. They've got the outside fireplace to make breads and pizzas and stuff like that. Like it's, it's a pretty incredible trip. And their wine is incredible. If you ever get a chance, you have to go check out that, that one winery. To me, it was, it was probably, Joe, you like that one the best, right? Castle D'Ambrosio was the best winery. Or did you like uh, Stony Brook better? Stony Brook um, better. Yeah. 
and also Goose Cross. Oh, like she like she like Goose Cross better. Okay. Goose Cross Winery. Uh, that one she liked the wine there better at Goose Cross. But for me, because the architecture was amazing, I, I couldn't believe how great, great it was. It was so much fun. Like I, it was a, I had a pretty, I had a pretty epic weekend. And then the article came out on USA Today. Uh, I want to, actually, I want to talk about that article. It's something I'm going to bring up a little bit later because I think it's very important. There's, certain, there's a certain topic I want to get to uh, because you are by far one of the, the, the top guys or, or I call basically an expert that has transitioned outside of mixed martial arts uh, after the career. But I do want to ask you uh, about Bellator because obviously yeah. the whole Bellator thing went down. Fedor uh, wasn't able to compete because Matt Mitrione had the kidney stones. There were rumors that Chael Sonnen accepted it. A couple of other guys accepted it to step up on short notice. He chose not to. Uh, but overall, I know you were working the event, but overall, what was the sentiment down there at Bellator and how was it for you? Okay, so let's, let's, let's skip a second to Bellator this weekend. Liam McGeary has had four opponent changes. The main event, he's had four opponent changes. I interviewed him yesterday for MMA Oddsbreaker, and his biggest response was, I didn't want Bellator to have two weekends in a row where the main event gets canceled. So I took whoever they put in front of me. I said yes to everybody until a deal got done for him to, to fight. I think it's uh, Dylan McDermott, who he's fighting now. Fader had the same opportunity. Chael Sonnen was there and worked the broadcasting. He was already there. His, his medicals were already in. He was already approved by the state of California because he had fought in California uh, uh, the, mu- the month prior, early in the month, in the, at the forum. So everything was clean for him. He didn't get hurt. He would have done it. And Chael was like, yes, 100% I'm in. Chael's one of those guys that that if, if you call out Chael Sonnen, you're fighting Chael Sonnen. That, that's what's going to happen. If you, if you taunt him, you're going to fight him because he's not going to say no to anybody. He doesn't care. Right? He wants to get in and get this deal done. So Fader was offered. Ali Thompson also fought on the card. Uh, he said no. There's a couple other people he was offered and said no. It really makes me – I was really leaning towards Mitrione slightly in that fight. Now that fight's going to happen again at some point once Matt gets done with his kidney stone. I think he had surgery yesterday to, to take care of it. They were trying to see if it would just pass naturally Friday night um, after they made weight and everything. That's why they didn't make the announcement until Saturday because they were hoping it would pass. He'd still be able to fight Saturday. It didn't happen. It's it's a you know it's a it's a, the size of a golf ball, uh, not literally, but it's a big one. So it's not going to pass naturally. Like he has to have it surgically. Uh, they oh wow! Whatever it's got, and then it break it up, and it's a whole it's a mess. So he has to do that. Uh, but they're going to have that fight later. The fight's going to happen later. Um, my personal opinion, as this stuff broke down. Now remember, Fader has always had management. I don't want to say issues, but he's always had a management team that's always really in the way. And Jerry Millen is back. Uh, uh, obviously, he's helping with Ryzen. And so he's helping with Fedor. He helped bring Fedor over to Bellator. So Jerry's back in the middle of it. I'm not sure where his, where his position is, where his hierarchy is. I don't think he's his manager per se, but I think he's like the spokesperson, the, uh, the liaison between Bellator and Ryzen and, and Fedor's camp. But Fedor always has managers that, that get in the way. So if you, you're not talking to Fedor if he wants to fight these guys or not. They're going to the management team. You don't talk. You don't talk to Milianko. It doesn't happen that way. So the management team says no, but it doesn't make Fedor look bad. He was offered, to my knowledge, three different opponents, and he said no to all of them. So it would have been a fourth opponent change for him. Obviously, Mitchell being the first and run his way through, and he said no to all of, all the other three after Mitchell was pulled out. Now it makes Fedor look bad because you're like, look, you're already there. You already trained. You already traveled from Russia. Your teammates fighting on the undercard. Like, what difference does it make? You're already there. Just fight. Like, who cares? If you win or lose, it doesn't matter because you're on a losing streak anyway. So if you lose, it, it's so what? It's really not going to hurt your, you know, tarnish your record any more than it, than, it, than it already is. No, 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 no. So now, obviously, it, it gets dumped. The fight gets dumped. But we're all wondering, 
did Fedor say no? Did the management team go to Fedor and go, hey, look, do you want these fighters? And he said no because he only wants to fight Matt Machuno because he thinks that's the best matchup for him, stylistically speaking? Or does management say no because they wanted more money and they couldn't, and they couldn't come to terms? Like, how was it being said no? Like, what's the, what's the issue here? So, and that stuff is only privy to, to Scott Coker and and, the, and, and uh, Tracy Leister, who's on the inside, you know, the, the attorney for Bellator. Those are the ones that are dealing with the money. Those guys actually know. But it was a little surreal, like, watching – um, um, Andy Foster, the head of California State Athletic Commission, literally have to be like, I can't believe this is happening. Like, I, this has never happened in all the years that he's been executive offer, officer for different commissions. It's never happened for him, where all of a sudden a main event day of completely falls apart, where there's options for it to stay together. It's not, sometimes main events fall apart, but it just, it happens because, and there's no way to recover from it. Like, you just, okay, main event's gone. There is options to keep this main event together, and it still fell apart. And so that was very, very frustrating for, for Mr. Foster. Like, I can't even imagine the, the, the head pounding. Thank God he's bald like we are. But I can't even, you know, because he's been pulling his hair out, literally just tearing his hair out at, this, at, the, at the asininess of this whole process of what was going on. But then the card, the rest of the card went off without a hitch. And it, was abs- and it, and it went really well. Now, was it, was, if Fader had fought, would, it, would they have beat the UFC numbers-wise uh, with the UFC happening the next night on Sunday? I think so, because everybody was watching, wanting to see Fader. They went outside and made the announcement to the crowd in line to come in. Hey, Fader's not fighting. There was a – we got it inside, so it's 10 degrees of separation. Oh, there's a riot going on outside because people said that Fader – I was like, oh, yeah, you're pretty pissed off. And the guy was like, no, there really is a riot going on because Fader's not fighting. People like demanding their money back for tickets. They want, you know, they want their travel paid for because they flew in or drove in to, for this particular event. He's not fighting now. They were told last night. 100% it's a go. They want to make weight. Like, now that people are arguing and complaining and being typical Americans. And I know it's just foreign to you. Like, you Canadians won't do that. You know, <laughs> there, you're kind of like, eh, whatever. I'm still here. There's still beer. I'm still going to go. But Americans are getting a little more irritated about it. So. Wow. Uh, the main event, though, uh, Josh Thompson and, and Patricky Pipple, uh, that headbutt, I mean, I, I got to say it, that that caused the issue to me. I mean, what's your thoughts? You know, it, it was it was such a quick action. Things did happen very very fast in, in that spot. Um, and and I, I will I will say this. Admittedly, in one of my undercard bouts, uh, unless you're watching the spike spike dot com uh, portion of the of the card, you didn't see it. I clearly I clearly missed a headbutt. I, I was in the wrong angle when it happened. I got I got to it later. I saw he was a little bit stunned, but he's flowing back fine. Things were happening, so I didn't equate it to being hey I need to, I need to take a moment to call time and checking to make sure. A few seconds later, blood is trickling out of the top of his head. Fight goes on. Uh, he still wins. The, the, the guy who got the head, get head better still wins. Um, John immediately has a talking to me right after. Big John McCarthy immediately is like, hey, you missed the headbutt. And I'm like, wow, that, that's, that's a big issue. Like, I, I, I got to get better about being in positions, especially when guys are, are leading with their heads and striking because that's what was happening. Same thing happened with, with uh, Thompson and uh, Pitbull. They both were leading with their heads as it was happening. The headbutt happened as incidental was not was not you know uh, an intentional headbutt it was a- accidental uh, and I do think that offset offset um, uh, Josh a little bit but not enough so to change the way the fight was going to go um, I really do think that Pitbull was starting to over- overtake him I really do think that Pitbull was starting to step up on him but I also will say this I was not cage side I was behind the scenes I had uh, uh, some stuff I had to do in the back and I was looking at the monitors there's a monitor there's a uh, they call it a, a video village where there's like, you know, six or eight monitors out there with all the different cameras going at one time. And I was in Video Village watching the fight from Video Village and then and then ran back up front. So I patted Josh down 
uh, uh, gave him the gave him his inspection, um, sent him to the cage, and I had to immediately run to the back. So I kind of missed everything because I was looking at monitors. Not being case size, it's a totally different. It's a totally different feeling, you know. And I'm looking around, so so I missed it looking at the monitors. I missed the headbutt, and we talked about it afterwards. Uh, I think the fight was going to go that way anyway. Whether it would have happened in in you know 20 seconds longer or another round longer, we don't know. But I think that fight was going to go that way anyways. It's unfortunate. Uh, two guys, obviously, Koscheck fought earlier, um, also got starched uh, uh, at 39 years old. It's like, Josh, I think he's made enough money. He's got enough Ferraris. He's got enough Lamborghinis. He's got enough big houses. Like, um, uh, he, he's a star in the sport. Um, I don't know why uh, he's still continuing to fight. I think he still has it. I think that fat was just a bad matchup. Same thing with Josh Thompson. I think Thompson still has it. I don't, I don't think he like needs to retire, but I know they, they have um, – uh, they have enough money to kind of survive for the rest of their lives. They're they're established. They're fighting because they choose to, not because they have to. Which is a great space to be in. Um, and, and I think both those guys still have still have game. Like I still think they can still fight. You know, and and deservedly so. Just that that night was not their night for either one of them. Yeah, I think I think Kostic will always have to fight. It's just that his chin uh, and his brain, the way the way it just shuts down. Uh, it's, it's same thing with Chuck Liddell back in the day. You know, he could fight just that once he got touched. You know, and stuff he could walk through uh, and basically be like, nah, that doesn't hurt, right? It just shuts the brain down, right? And then I think that's what's happening with a lot of, uh, you know, the guys like Josh Kostick. But uh, it is what it is. I personally hope he hangs up the gloves because, like you said, I, I had conversations with Josh way back in the day. And I don't know if he's still with Zinkin, but uh, we were talking investments, you know, like real estate investments and condos and stuff like that and getting a return on your money. So he's made some good money uh, with the money that he's made from fighting, investing it accordingly. So I wish him the best. I, I don't, I don't want to see him come back. I always breaks my heart when I see guys that you know from that from that era um, go out yeah. the way they're going out. But it is what it is. Let's move over to the UFC though. Uh, a couple of people you know pretty well have competed on that card. Uh, I will leave one person for last because I want to. It'll be a good segue uh, over to your your recent USA Today article. Uh, but I will start off with Johnny Hendricks. Johnny Hendricks, someone you know very well, has now emerged victorious at 185 pounds. But then in his post fight interview. It's Brian Stan that's interviewing him, and it was one of those things where Johnny was looking up. Brian Stan's a big boy, but that's what the middleweights look like in 2017, believe it or not. Yeah. Johnny Hendricks is going to have his hands full uh, moving forward in this division. And, and he looked flabby as he was doing it too, so he basically had a fight with a 170-pounder at 185 because him because Hector Lombard also is a 70-pounder, so he did very well against, against another 70-pounder that's at that weight. How will he do? Well... Being shorter sometimes has its advantages as well in, in a weight class. When everyone is used to punching straight at you the whole time, now all of a sudden you got to start punching down because this guy is shorter than you. And Johnny's a wrestler, which means it's less for him to, to have to lower his level to get underneath you to pick you up to finish off a takedown. He's already pretty much just to squat a little bit. There was a guy named uh, Chris Bono who now is a head coach. He wrestled at uh, Iowa State University, and now he's uh, was an Olympian and, and is up in uh, um, uh, one of the Dakota schools. He's up head wrestling coach at, at the – Whatever, whatever, uh, uh, I can't, I don't know if it's North Dakota or South Dakota, whatever the ones, the, the Jackrabbits, like, that's the school he's at. He was, like, five foot two, you know, and, like, the shortest guy I've ever seen, but super wide, super strong, and barely had to squat to, to, to make a shot because he was so short already that you couldn't get underneath him, and he didn't have to do much to get underneath you. Johnny's kind of in that same boat now at 85. He doesn't do much to get underneath. Now, if Johnny was a striker and that was his forte, I'd be a lot more worried. But because he's a wrestler and he's a grappler, and he's going to grind out on you and try to, you know, make this a, a like a, a a really hard, you know, weighing on you, pulling your arms down kind of match. It's it's not as bad as it could be. I think he could do very well at eighty five. 
but he's going to have to get better all the way around his entire game. He's going to have to get better, and he's going to have to get on a on a on a, a speed, power, strength, conditioning kind of program now, like in between fights. He's got to increase his speed. He's got to increase his power, and he's going to have to change a lot of that a lot of that flab, you know, uh, into into muscle if he wants to really compete at, the, at that weight. Derek Lewis emerges victorious versus Travis Brown. By the way, excellent points on uh, on, on Johnny Hendricks. Uh, it's not that I agree or disagree. Uh, I'm just I'm worried for the guy. It's just, yeah. I, I, you, Sean Pearson, Robin Black, uh, who else did I have on the show this week? I've all said the same thing. Because of his uh, his fulcrum is going to be lower than most guys at 185, his wrestling will probably help him a lot. I'm just kind of like, these, these guys are murderous at 185, but we'll see what happens. But I do want to talk about Derek Lewis and Travis Brown because Travis Brown – Looked great in that first round. Began to fade. Uh, I don't know why he was against the cage getting uppercuts or getting those punches thrown by Derek Lewis. But Derek Lewis does emerge victorious. Very controversial in terms of Mario Yamasaki not stopping that fight uh, much sooner. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on that. But I also want to get your thoughts on the post-fight um, speech from Derek Lewis. Obviously, Brian Stan, very, very in, a, in an awkward situation. Kind of like, okay, I don't, I don't want you to talk anymore, Derek Lewis, because this, this is, what you're saying is wrong. We're on national television. We're not on pay-per-view here. Uh, Derek Lewis obviously is saying, you know, just continuing the propagation of what Travis Brown uh, and his ex-girlfriend, uh, he never did touch her. If, he, if you ever Google it, take a look. He, that, that was a big sort of craziness uh, that went down. Police got involved. There was never any sort of, of domestic that happened there. Uh, and then at the same time, Derek... Uh, uh, and even if you go on his Instagram, apparently he's still going after Ronda Rousey. So now you pull a Clubber Lang from Rocky Three, where you know you're going after the fighter. You basically almost killed the guy. Like I mean, the guy they, Travis Brown was in a bad situation, and now you're calling out his girl, dude. So I actually was talking about. I was with uh, uh, Ensign Anyway yesterday. He's he's here in Hawaii um, doing his Destiny Forever bracelets uh, that he makes. If you guys like the Japanese style of Chinese style of beaded bracelets. Like he makes custom made ones and, and has a bunch for a store at, uh, online at destinyforever.com. But it's, it's a, uh, I was talking with him yesterday. And he's like, you were a good trash talking. You always played the heel, but you always did it in a respectful way. Like, how did you, um, how did you do that? I go, well, one time I think I kind of, uh, I call out somebody's family, but I was like, I was like, my family is better than your family. And that was as far as I went with, with the family. Other than that, it was always just picking on the opponent. I would never talk about the girlfriends. I would talk about the wives. We never talk about their their coaches. We never get into that whole mix. Like it was only the guy I'm fighting. That's all I would talk about. So that's how I became the heel, and why I was so good at it is because I always kept it to the fighter and what I knew about the fighter, and that was it. That's all I was trying to do. Uh, the new level, Chael Sonnen comes in and starts talking about, "Oh, I'm gonna smack your wife in the butt." You know, when we're you know, Anderson Silva now was gonna fight him in Brazil. I'm gonna you know smack his, smack your wife in the butt. I'm gonna you know I hate the crowd and the. They're all dirty thieves down there in Brazil, and he gets he starts picking on a whole country. That always, you know, that kind of stuff kind of crosses the line. So, um, in my opinion, now obviously people love Chael, people love Conor McGregor, people love love you know the trash talk. They love that that game about them, and so they get behind them. They play the heel, but they keep winning. And so when you're winning, playing the heel, it's awesome. It's great because people, you know, everyone's fifty percent of the fans are coming to watch you win, fifty percent are coming to watch you lose, but hundred percent are watching you. That's what's happening. Derek Lewis is trying to get that space. I don't like it when you when you start talking about somebody else, especially another fighter. Like now, now are you only calling out the man's girlfriend, but you're calling out another fighter in another division that's a female and another gender. Like now, it's like, what are you doing? Like now, you're calling out. Like now, she's like, oh, you know, you know, he laid hands on women, uh, so I laid hands on him. Well, but you just called out his girlfriend. You know, where's Ronda Rousey's fine ass at? Yeah, sure. In one way, you're like, oh, he he just wants to hook up with her. But in the other way, you're like, hold on a second, she's a competitor. 
she's a fighter. So now you're calling out a female fighter? Like, this makes – so the first thing that goes through my head is, like, you just said and, and incorrectly that Travis Brown hit, hit his ex-wife. Now you're talking about trying to hit his girlfriend. Like, he's an idiot for doing that, but I'm going to do it. Hold on, Derek. Now you got to you got to clarify. So you got to be real strict now on how you how you trash talk. You can't leave any ambiguity in, in how you're going to trash talk. He left it wide open for us for our own interpretation. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, and then uh, to talk about, oh, I, you know, I'm fine, I'm fine. I just have to go to the bathroom. I just have to go to the bathroom. Those kicks, if, if you if you just had to go to the bathroom, you wouldn't drop your hands all the way down to your stomach like George Foreman and try to protect your gut. Those kicks were hurting bad. Travis was winning with those front kicks to the stomach and should have started – he shouldn't have went to the well so many times. should have started changing things up. And I agree with you. What was he doing against the cage, taking all those hits to the head in the middle of that mess? But God bless the Brian Stan, you know, to, to keep composure – uh, okay, and then go right into it. And then he's like, oh, Ronda Rousey's fine. Uh, okay, and then take a look at this. And all right, thanks, guys. And then, like, like to keep control and get out of the way. Sometimes you're gonna, you and I have got, both gone through it. You're going to have bad interviews. And there's going to be people that just won't. They're saying the wrong things. They're making you cringe. You just got to kind of take control of it and get out of the way. And Brian's a pro, and he did well. I think he did really well underneath a, a situation where, where really he got thrown to the fire and had and there was no way around it. He could not, could not change what was happening in front of him, he only had to deal with it and kind of steer the ship the way he could steer it and let it go. Elias Theodoro took a bit of flack uh, in his boat, uh, but this is how he fights. Now, people were saying, you know, I, I was getting messages uh, from WhatsApp to text to emails to just people mentioning things that do you think he's spending too much time outside of training uh, and doing extracurricular activities with some of his sponsorship, you know, Per Plus and, and stuff like that, Fuel Foods and, and all the other stuff. And I'm like, well, no, because A, he's winning, and that's what he'll tell you. But B, you got a limited time to maximize your brand uh, with your name while you're in the UFC because clearly the UFC is not paying enough for you to say, I'm going to retire when my UFC career is done. But while I've got this name that I'm developing because I'm a UFC fighter and I can get these massive sponsorships that no one else can get that are mainstream sponsors – I'm showing up to the photo shoots. I'm showing up to whatever. Um, so there's a bit of criticism coming his way. But the bottom line is, guys are leaving the UFC. Horiguchi's gone to Ryzen. Uh, Nikita Krylov is going back to Russia. Uh, Serkinov wasn't able to deal uh, with Dana White. Uh, Lorenz Larkin uh, is nowhere to be found. There's people that are leaving the UFC, Roy McDonald, because of the payday. So guys need to make money, and girls need to make money more than just what they're getting paid from the UFC, which kind of segues away. So I, I want to get your thoughts on that. And then if you could just simply move on from that to your, to your article, because your article in USA Today speaks to that. So you, 
there's there's very little. If you look at a lot of the fighters now, we're talking about you know like Koscheck and 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 Thompson, and then and then uh, uh, let's take let's take Hughes and and uh, uh, Liddell. Um, what are they going to do now? Like what's what's their what's their game now? They they they've lost their job. Thanks, babe. They lost their job with the UFC. They're no longer. Don't pick on me, man. I got a turtle. I got a turtle. I got to drink my coffee out of. <laughs> don't pick on me. And and it's it's a spin. That's that's the handle. It's a spin. I got this thing with turtles, man. I don't know what the hell it is or where it came from. But I got this thing with sea turtles. I have a big. Well, normally, sea- normally I would speak because you were drinking. I stayed quiet so everyone could view that. <laughs> I have a, uh, I have a, you know, my chest. I have a big tattoo of a big two-headed sea turtle on my chest. Like, I, I don't know. I got this thing with sea turtles. So that's that's the cup. That's my that's my morning coffee cup. I'm sorry, I digress. So you look at these guys. Like, what are they going to do after? Like, what's going to happen with them? Get after Alan Jobin? What, what's he going to do when he retires from UFC? He's still going to be modeling. He's still, gonna be doing, he's still gonna be a good looking kid. He's still gonna be able to model. What what's Elias gonna do when he retires? He's still gonna be modeling. He's still gonna be able to create another set of income. What are most of these other guys gonna do when they when they when they retire? Run a gym. And then and talk to talk to Marcus Davis, uh Tim Boach's uh coach. Holy crap is running the gym hard. It is a lot of work for very little reward. It is a lot of work for very little reward. So he goes and does a photo shoot. Elias goes and does a photo shoot. He's got Pert Plus, he's making all this money to do a quick photo shoot with his was flipping hair, you know, it's like, so what? Like, let the guy go. The thing is scheduling. Do you do it during the last four weeks of your training camp, the last six weeks of your training camp, the last eight weeks of your training camp? When do you cut that stuff out and go, look, I can't do it anymore. I am trying to get this thing done. Then let's not forget, you get really good and you're headlining a UFC. They're going to start coming in and doing all this, all this camera stuff with you for the, what's the, what's the show? The countdown show. They're coming doing all this show for the countdown show for you. So they're around all the time. Now you're on camera all the time. And they are, it is, I don't care what anybody says, it's intrusive. They are interviewing you between practices when you're normally at home eating lunch or hanging out with your kids or taking a nap. They are, they are demanding more of your time. They want you to do things over and over again. They want to get a better angle. They're like, they'll be right up in your face when you're trying to lift weights, like right up on top of you. It's intrusive. So that stuff is almost as bad as having to go do a sponsorship deal. So it's timing. With a guy like, like when I was in, I didn't have those big sponsorships. So I had to grab whatever, whenever they came at me, I had to take it and I had to do it on their time schedule. It's so much different now. You know, it's so much different. I can go, Hey, look, you know what? Um, at six weeks out of my training camp, tell his manager, I'm not doing any more of this stuff. All this stuff has to be done beforehand. Hey, my fight has been announced. It's uh, eight to 12 weeks out. Get a hold of all the sponsors. You know, we're fighting in eight to 12 weeks. If you want to do anything with me at all, you have to do it between now and, and this date, at the, at, after, on the date, at midnight of this date, I am no longer doing any more of these, these photo shoots, no more appearances, no more nothing. I'm locking myself up for the rest of my training camp. And that's how, that's how Mayweather does it. That's how Pacquiao does it. That's how Canelo does it, who's on tour right now, uh, trying to get ready for his fight. Um, it is, or, or uh, promoting his fight. It is, this is how it's done with, with athletes. God bless him. I hope he makes, I hope he goes out and gets more, more stuff and does more things. I hope he gets more money and stockpiles it away and doesn't spend it on, on drugs and houses and, and cars and women. I hope he stockpiles it and stores it. So when he's got those lean times after he retires, and there's not that much modeling going on for him. He can still he still have money in the savings account. He can still keep playing with. I hope he does a lot more of it and, and deservedly so. And did I think it changed his style or hurt him in the fight? That's tough to tell. I wasn't in training camp with him. I wasn't sitting there watching him work out every day and what what you know watching him come in 20 minutes late for practice because he was at a photo shoot. Watching him not thinking about practice because you know, oh, don't don't be careful because I, I'm doing a I'm doing a per plus commercial, so you got to be careful when you run your fingers through my hair as you're trying to take my back. You're like if you if you got shit like that going on, then yeah, it's intrusive and it's a problem and you got to change your focus. But I think he's too smart of a kid for that. I don't think it's really going to affect him at all. 
that's really just his fighting style. He just, that's just how he fights. And it's, it's unfortunately, it's not as exciting as a lot of other guys, but it gets the job done and it gets the job done a lot of the time. Well, if you, ladies and gentlemen, if you scroll over to the usatoday.com uh, website, you'll see uh, an article there. It says, athletes find second careers as stunt performers. And, and Frank Trigg obviously knows uh, a, a few things about stunt performing and the world of Hollywood. Uh, what is this article all about, Frank? So thank God for, for, the, for Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, man. He, he came out and was like, so there, there's, a, there's a, and I'm going to get a soapbox here, so forgive me. There's an issue with the Oscars that coming up on Monday. There's all these categories. All these amazing shows. Um, there's no categories for stunts. Not stunt coordinator, not stunt co-coordinator, not stunt guys, not eligible for Oscars at all. It's, it's still a big push. Like, it's a big, big problem right now. Um, Jack Gill, who's one of the most respected legends in the sport, in, or in the, excuse me, in, the, in, in the stunts, and is now a stunt coordinator. Uh, he just stunt coordinated Jumanji um, uh, here in, in Hawaii, uh, which is why I got to meet him. Uh, I'm part of, uh, uh, I'm on a directory. I'm not part of the group, but I'm part of a directory called Stunts Unlimited, which is, this is their big logo. You've seen a lot of stunt stuff. Like, Stunts Unlimited is a, is a big stunt company. I'm actually, you know, Jill threw me the hat, but I'm actually wearing the shirt today because it's one of the shirts I wear. I'm part of their directory. And as a result, I got a phone call. Jack Gill is on their board. Um, the guy that uh, uh, used to work, that used to be my stunt coordinator here on Hawaii Five O, Jeff Caliente, is on their board. And uh, he has just uh, uh, left the show. And a new guy, Eric Norris, who's Chuck Norris's youngest son, or, uh, um, yeah, his youngest son, I believe, uh, is is no he's got one more kid underneath 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 Eric but Eric Norris is now taking over Hawaii Five O. These guys are all in Stunts Unlimited, so it's a big group. There's other ones, there's other groups out there, but that's not the point of it. The thing is that we're being a big push. Where take Transformers, take John Wick Two, take the action out of it, right? Pull out all the action. Keanu Reeves can carry a movie by himself. He's an amazing actor. Can he carry John Wick Two by himself with no action? No, he can't. The, the car chases, the car crashes, the shooting sequences, the 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 uh, death scenes. The the there's a have you have you seen the movie that in the beginning sequences him going looking for his car, going after another Russian guy because he took because he took his car. He's going back to get his car. It's the cousin of the guy in John Wick One that stole that stole his uh, stole his car originally and, and killed his dog. So now he's chasing down his car again, and finally the guy's like, "Look, take the car. We're at peace." But he had had to like kill everybody that was in the warehouse to do this thing, a big Russian warehouse. Take all that action out, you don't have a movie anymore. Transformers, Avengers, uh, Jumanji, uh, 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 any one of the Mission Impossibles. Take the action out, you don't have a movie anymore. So why can't stunts get a get a, 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 uh, a category? Stunts have been, there have been stunt people in, in, in the movie industry since before there was sound with movie. But there is a music in movies Oscar the best soundtrack, of them. they can win an Oscar, but stunts have been in there longer and still don't have a category. So it was a big push. Um, the Rock was talking about there's a lot of ex-athletes that made the move into uh, stunts and into acting. Now, of course, his cousin is his, is his uh, uh, is stunt double. They look exactly alike. We can't, like, I'm walked up on set in Jumanji. <laughs> I couldn't tell. I thought it was like, oh, I'm going to stand over here to the side because it's the first unit. All the actors, the, the main actors are on first unit. I'm like, oh, it's first unit. I'm going to hide in the corner. I shouldn't be here. I thought this was second unit, which is all stunts. I'm coming over to meet the stunt coordinator and the and the uh, um, and the uh, uh, stunt director and 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 the second unit director. That's all I'm trying to meet. And I'm looking at this these guys running down the hill. I'm like, holy crap! That that's Dwayne. John- I'm gonna go hide. Well, as he gets close, I'm like, Reed, is that you? It's Tenaway. It's Reed. It was it was his, he lives here. He's he's a Hawaiian born kid. 
he's from here. He's like, yeah. So the rock came out and said, Hey, this is a, this is a need for this. And a lot of these guys are, are making a jump. Um, a ton of my friends are ex are ex uh, athletes that have now made the move into acting or stunt work full time and making a living with their career over. They now have a secondary life after sports is over. Uh, for me, it's both stunts and acting. Jay Haran does majority of stunts. Tori Vogel played football at uh, Notre Dame or excuse me, Purdue. And then, uh, uh, and now is at, uh, um, uh, and fought for a few fights down in Florida and then made the move to move the move to LA and is a full-time stunt guy. And this is a lot of us. Kieran Gallagher fought, uh, fought in Pancras, moved to Japan and lived in Japan for three years and fought in Pancras and then came back. It was like, it's back in the day when you're making 1500, 2000 a fight, you weren't really making that much. Was living in LA. It's like, Hey, I got the ability. I'm gonna jump on a stunts. Now he's a stunt coordinator. Like this is, this is the progression. And there's a push. We're getting guys like Mark Wahlberg that are pushing for the Oscar. We're getting guys like like uh, uh, Keanu Reeves and Dwayne Johnson are pushing for the Oscar. And the article is all about raising awareness, especially coming up on the Oscar weekend. We're like, look, we're guys that put we put our lives on the line. When I get lit on fire, my life is on the line. When I am when I am getting when I am getting thrown over, you know, getting hit by a car, my life is on the line. Sometimes I have to do it eight, ten times, you know, to get the right shot. My life is on the line. And these stunt coordinators have all the heat. You know, when you when you come back to a football team and, and the football team fails, doesn't make the playoffs, you don't fire the team, you fire the head coach. The stunt coordinator is the head coach, and they have him him or her, because I've worked for a couple of females as well, and they have to, a tremendously hard job. They have to trust you and I to do the fight scene to make it look realistic without hurting each other or hurting the actors that are being involved in part of it. So it's a, it's a big sequence. And when, and when we screw up, they get fired. We get sent home. But they get fired. They, they, they lose their job. We're only here for a couple, three weeks. They're there for the entire shot of the whole movie. We screw up. They're getting fired. We're just getting sent home. We can find another job relatively quickly. They get released from a job. It's bad. It's hard for them to find another job. So it's a big deal. It's a passion of mine because really um, there should be a stunt category because it really is. The blockbuster movies that come out, you know, my birthday is May 7th. So always around that May holiday is when is when you get all these great blockbuster movies that start popping out. They're all action. They're all action. All the number one, all the number one shows on TV are all action dramas of some whether action medical dramas, action cop dramas, action police dramas, or, or, or fire fire department dramas. Like whatever it is, they're all action dramas. That's what people want to watch on TV. We don't watch football because it's 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 a, a fun, nice, touchy feely sport. We watch we watch American football. Because I'm sorry, I'm talking to, to Joe Ferraro, who actually likes proper football, which is what we call soccer. So I have to clarify. <laughs> Otherwise, he's very confused. He's like, why are you talking about soccer all of a sudden? So we watch American football for the violence, for the action. That's why we're watching it, for the action. That's why it's such a big thing over here in America. So it's stunt guys need to have a category. I'm sorry I got a soapbox. I'm super passionate about it. My buddy Pete Antico got me hooked up. And, and Jay Heron, Pete Antico, and Jack Gill and I are the guys who are interviewed. And we're talking about one of, if not the best stunt coordinator on the planet, is, is being interviewed in this article. Jay Heron and Frank Trigg, who just, according to the stunt community, have just transferred from MMA fighting into, into stage fighting. And Pete Antico, who's been around forever in the game, knows, knows everybody from Chuck Norris, you know, to, to all the way back to, to uh, uh, um, uh, Bruce Lee, and has worked with all of them as a stunt guy, and now as a stunt coordinator himself. That's the article. So I'm in, I'm in, a, in an article on USA Today that's, that's with the people that are in it is incredible. But the reality of it is, is that there is life after. And why can't, why can't there be a guy that wins a Super Bowl, gets a Super Bowl ring, and then wins an Oscar? The stunt coordinator 20 years later. Like, how is that not, how is that not even possible? It doesn't make any sense. And why is there not 
if you if these actors, a lot of actors come out and, and say, oh, I do all my own stunts. I do all my own stunts. I do all my own stunts. There is no stunt double. That's all me. That's all me. Okay, then if it's all you, then why can't you be the first double Oscar winner? Win for being a great actor in the same year that you win for being a great stunt guy, a stunt coordinator. Why can't that happen? If, you, if this is what actually is going on, if you're actually doing your own stunts, then why, why wouldn't you push to, be, to have an, a stunt category? Because then you can be a dual, a dual winner in one year on two different films. That'd be amazing. So this is the kind of things that are going on right now, and we're just kind of getting it stuff. And that's my snow box, and I'll, I'll get off of that. <laughs> that's actually pretty cool. <laughs> uh, to be honest with you, um, I think your speakers just went on your uh, your thing there. But, um, yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned the Avengers. Obviously, uh, Captain America, Civil War, George uh, St. Pierre. Not Civil War, Captain America. I forgot what it was, but George St. Pierre obviously uh, was an actor in that. Um, yeah. George St. Pierre is back into mixed martial arts. He signed. He's ready to go. But now the debate is on who will he face off against next. And a lot of people now, uh, and Sean Pearson last night really convinced me that that Conor McGregor fight is looking really, really good. Uh, perhaps at 170, maybe at 155, but there's also Michael Bisping. Uh, you know, you beat Michael Bisping, then there's that Anderson Silva fight potentially after. We know the UFC is trying to make as much money as possible. Uh, and then I heard something about Conor McGregor. So Freddie Roach says Conor McGregor would have a chance against Floyd Mayweather. And then you mentioned Floyd Mayweather and then Anderson Silva wants to fight Roy Jones Jr. on the undercard or the co-main event. I'm like, oh my god! There's just too much information. Uh, first things first, because uh, I only we only got about six minutes here. George right. St. Pierre, do you like this fight with Conor McGregor as his return fight? Because I know last week you said you want to pit him against someone uh, much lower in the rankings, but it looks like it's not going to happen, Frank. It looks like it's going to be a big payday fight against a really big name. Well, you know, you have the same problem with Pierre as you do with, with Ronda Rousey. Like, they, they're still viable. There's still big names in the sport. Like, don't get me wrong. When I say he's not in the top five, doesn't mean that he doesn't deserve to be in the top five. I'm just saying that this guy is just right now, the sport has changed. It's developed. It's evolved. He hasn't evolved with it because he hasn't been in the cage in the heat. He's been at practice. He's been training. You said he looked great when you saw him a little, a little while ago. I believe you. Like, I believe he looks great. And he said, he, he also said, I can make 155. Okay. If you want to make 155, that's fine. Does, doesn't matter. I would love to see him fight Conor McGregor at 170 because of this. He will be the bigger guy. He's got actually, even though he has been out of out of the cage for whatever three years, whatever it's been, he still has more experience at high level, really demanding, having to grind out a five rounder. And as a big guy, when you come in for your first fight back and you're that much bigger than somebody, and you grab a hold of that little guy, even though he hits you hard and whatever, but you finally slow him down, you grab a hold and shake him a little bit, he'll stop moving as much. And he'll start getting tired because once you lean on him, sure, they both weigh in at 170, but McGregor's gonna eat breakfast that morning to make 170. And, and GSP is going to come down from 85. He'll be about 80 when you walk in there. And then McGregor's going to be like, oh, 65. That's a huge amount of weight to deal with when you got a guy that's that athletic, that explosive, and that strong on top of you. So that fight is great. It's a perfect fight for, for uh, 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 GSP to come back at. The Bisping fight is also another perfect fight. Bisping's not going to try to wrestle. They're going to try to grind on. They're going to try to take him down. It's going to be a striking fight. And three years removed, GSP is still faster more precise, and has more foot motion than Bisping does at this stage of his career. So that's a per- those are two perfect matchups. The problem being, he can't call out Woodley. He can't call out Stephen Thompson. He can't call out anybody at the 170-pound weight class because those guys are going to beat him up. Right now, the way that the, 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 the matchups went, Bisping is the champ at 85. He's, if, 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 if GSP really wants to make a go of it and he really believes that he's still the best guy in there, then go ahead and call out Jacare Souza or call, or call out Yo Romero and let's see what happens. 
Or if you really are serious, they go, look, I really, I'm in USADA. I'm back. I'm really coming back. I demand, I demand the winner of Tyron Woodley or, Steph, or, or Stephen Thompson. And they've already said 100% they'd welcome him back. And whoever wins, they both of them have said, whoever, which one of us wins, GSP should have the next title shot. They've already said it. So what's really going on? If the only talks are McGregor and Bisbing, which are not in his weight class that he was that, that we're assuming he's coming back at. So why are we having this conversation? Because stylistically, these two matchups are much better than, than Woodley and, and Thompson. Much better matchups at this point. And like you said, big money fights. So my whole contention was he makes almost as much money acting like he's getting kicked in the head and acting like he's punching somebody in the face than he do, than he did than he than what he was making when he was actually fighting. So why would you come back to fighting to actually get punched in the face? Actually, get kicked in the face because I can make so much more money doing this. And in movies, there's residuals. You have a long-term outcome. You get paid for ten years off of off of a, uh, your part in that in that particular movie. So you're gonna keep getting that paycheck. So why would you come back and fight? Well, big money fights make a big difference. And we we were trying to figure out what the and you probably know, but just won't say anything. What the number he's actually getting paid per fight? The rumor was it was ten million. You know, how is it coming over? Is that being broken down or not? If it's ten million a fight, who the hell cares, man? Like, take eight weeks and go train for a fight. Like, at that point, <laughs> GSP is not making $10 million. He's going to double that money with sponsorships and everything else he has going on the outside. So 100% jump at it. And if Conor McGregor can get you a $10 million fight because that's the way he talks it and sells it, all for it. 100%. If you got the game, go get it. And it's a great matchup for GSP. Yeah, uh, I, I'm, I'm sort of leaning towards it now. I'm kind of interested uh, to see what would happen there. Uh, as much as I say I, I don't want George St. Pierre to come back, it's a reality. He is coming back, and now it's a matter of who is going, who's he going to face. So I'm definitely looking forward to it. Uh, all right, we're going to wrap things up here. Uh, anything else going on? In the, I'm sure there's tons going on in your world, but what's going on uh, with you? Because next, I'm not going to talk to you till, or we're not going to see you uh, until next Wednesday. Uh, so excuse me, Thursday. Uh, so what's going on in the life of Frank Trigg? So we have a new stunt coordinator on Hawaii Five-0. I have to go down today and go meet up with Eric Norris. He just uh, started working this last Tuesday. I haven't met him yet. There's only about a week and a, or a month and a half left on this show before it wraps for the season and it starts back up again. Uh, I'm still, and this is the problem, Joe. Like every week you ask what I got going on. I got like five serious, legit things in the works. Two are stunts and three are, are, are acting gigs. And one of them is a pretty significant role uh, with Frank Gorillo from Kingdom that Rampage Jackson will be on as well, but we're just trying to get, you know, get deals worked out and timing and locations and all that crap. And I have another pretty big deal going on in China that uh, uh, I'll be co-starring on a, on a, on a, it's a, I thought it was a movie. The way it was explained to me was a movie. It's a, it's a series. It's a, it's a television show that's going to be ongoing and I'm a co-star in it. So, and and I'm, I'm final two. So it's like, I have these things going on, but I can't say anything about them or or give you specifics because I don't have them yet. No one's telling me anything. I'm just kind of, Okay, any day now, any day now. This is how it goes. It's almost like fighting for, for pride again. <laughs> you're going to fight. You're going to fight. Who's my opponent? We don't know. We don't know. We don't know. Okay, well, I'm supposed to I'm supposed to fight next weekend. Like, where's my plane ticket? Like, where's that? Oh, oh yeah, we just got your plane ticket today. Oh, and your opponent is Joe Ferraro. You're like, what the hell? Like, you couldn't tell me this, but you've known for eight weeks that it's been you. I'm just now finding out. This is how it's like that kind of game still. I'm still trying to figure out what's going on. But I'm also, I'm the lowest guy in the totem pole. I'm the lowest guy down there, and I'm just accepting what comes along. Uh, actually, Randy Couture just sent me a uh, uh, sent me a script yesterday that I got to read. That he's like, I want you to be in this be in this movie with me, and and I got to read through the script and kind of see what fits my where I want to go with my career. And because so I got a lot of crap on the table, nothing's done yet. <laughs> it's all scammed out right now. So there's my story. 
There we go. Well, listen, man, we want to wish you the best of luck. Ladies and gentlemen, make sure you do follow Frank on social media, especially uh, Instagram, Facebook as well, Twitter as well. Uh, he posts some interesting stuff, fantastic stuff, to be honest with you. Uh, the stunt stuff that he mentioned uh, was on his Instagram today. Uh, make sure you like that. Show some support uh, so they can definitely get that category involved in the Oscars. Make sure, like I said, at Frank Trigg, you can follow yours truly at Showdown Joe on social media. FightfulMMA.com for all of your mixed martial arts news. To those who have tuned in live, we sincerely appreciate your time here on YouTube. For those tuning in later on because of scheduling on iTunes and or on Stitcher, we thank you as well. Uh, for now, uh, tomorrow, managing editor for Fightful, Sean Ross Sapp. And if you go on his Twitter account, at Sean Ross Sapp, and you go on Cyborg's account, there's some beef going on between those two there. He will explain everything tomorrow, uh, and I can guarantee you it will be ugly. But for now, we bid you all a fond adieu. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.